Shalom and welcome back to TzanachStudy.com and our study of Sefer Dvarim. My name is Menachem Nibtag. Today is Shur number 3 out of 6 on Parshat Re'eh. We will be studying from chapter 12 verse 29 through chapter 14 verse 2. The Shur will divide into four sections from verse 29 in chapter 12 to the first line of chapter 13 will be about bad influences beginning with influence by the foreign population leading to the improper way to serve God. The next bad influence will be in chapter 13, verses 2 through 6, and that will be bad leadership or false prophets. The next bad influence will be from within the family. That's chapter 13, verses 7 through 12. And finally, in chapter 13, verses 13 through 19, we will have the bad influence of the community or the famous law of Iranidachat, when an entire city has gone astray, and finally, in chapter 14, the first two verses will be a transition to the next section of the Chukim Mishpatim section of the main speech. Before we begin our study of these four examples of bad influences, which will be the primary topic of chapter 13, we should make note that the main topic up until now of the Chukim Mishpatim section, which began in the beginning of chapter 12, was the establishment of a national center, better known by its function as Hamakom HaShiv HaRashem L'Shakein Shmosham, the place that God will choose for His name to be known, and the establishment of that center, and the numerous commandments which will encourage every member of the Jewish people to frequent this location several times a year. This is a great example of a law for the entire nation, and the type of law that sets up a framework that will help facilitate Am Yisrael being God's nation forever. For the sake of the unity of the religion, and to make sure the people understand how to serve God the right way, and to keep that tradition going from generation to the next, there's a need for one central headquarter for the teaching of Torah, for the service of God. And from that hub, the instruction of the Torah will emanate to the entire nation. So just like chapter 12 talks about the establishment of a national center to make sure the people follow God the right way, chapter 13, in contrast, will talk about potential bad influences that may lead the people go astray from God. In the first topic, beginning in verse 29 in chapter 12, we'll talk about what might happen after we conquer these other nations, how we might think it's a good idea to serve our God the way they serve their God. So let's begin in chapter 12, verse 29. When Hashem your God will cut off all these nations that you are going down there to conquer their land from in front of you, and you will possess them and settle in their land. Pasuk Lamed, verse 30. Be very careful. Lest you be lured after them. After they are destroyed from in front of you. Lest you search after their God saying, how did these nations serve their gods? The Eser came Gamani, and I will serve my God the same way. The assumption behind this fear is that when people conquer another land, they may feel that there's certain ways to serve gods in each land. And even though we served our God who took us out of Egypt in the desert a special way, now that we conquer the land of Israel, it could be the land of Israel has a special format for serving its gods, and we should serve our God that took us out of Egypt, the same way that the nations of Canaan served their God when they were living here. 
this doesn't seem to make much sense to us, but it could be that that was a custom in ancient times. In fact, you might take a look at the Book of Kings in Melachim Bet, chapter 17, when the Assyrians bring in other nations to take over the land that the ten tribes were expelled from, we find a very similar situation where those new nations start importing priests who were living with the ten tribes and asking them what is the proper way of serving the God of this land. Now Moshe Rabbeinu will explain to the people why this possible idea is totally wrong. Pasuk Lamar Aleph, verse 31. Do not do thus to Hashem your God. In other words, don't serve your God the way that they serve their gods. Because all the disgusting ways that Hashem your God hates, that's what they did to their gods. They would burn their sons and their daughters in fire for their gods. And that idea of burning your children for the sake of a god, that in the eyes of God would be an abomination. Well, if you read Sefer Breshit, you might have a very good question. If that's such a terrible thing in the eyes of God, why did God command Avram Avinu to sacrifice his son? What many commentators suggest is that that may be the very reason why God gave us the story of the Akedah to teach us that even though someone might think that sacrificing children for the sake of God would be a noble act, Chumash is against that totally. And in order to make sure it's crystal clear that this is forbidden, Sefer Bashit tells us the story of the Akedah to teach us we do not want human sacrifice, and for sure God does not want us to sacrifice our children to Him. That was a custom of other nations. God is telling us this type of behavior is an abomination in the eyes of God. It is considered a toiva. It could be, as it was in the case of Avram Avinu, if someone is so dedicated to God that he would accept a commandment from God, a direct commandment from God, to sacrifice his son, that may be a test of Avram's faith and his willingness to follow God in every way, but God at the same time has to teach him that even though his dedication to God is praiseworthy, he also has to teach his children that this type of service of God is totally wrong and they should never consider doing such a thing. Now in chapter 13, verse 1, which based on his context would make more sense, should be the last line of chapter 12. In fact, in our, in our Jewish tradition of the Parshiot, this first verse of chapter 13 is actually the last verse of chapter 12. All this thing that I'm commanding you, that is what you must keep to do. Do not add on to it and do not take away from it. This would fit very nicely with this last topic where God is worried that the people when they come to the land might on their own come up with ideas of better ways to serve God, at least better ways in their eyes to serve God, so to summarize this warning of the last four psukim, Moshe is telling the people, make sure to follow God's commands exactly. Don't add your own ideas and don't take off. Do as commanded. Recall that we had this very same concept earlier in the beginning of chapter 4 in Moshe Rabbeinu's introduction to these laws of Baltosif not to add on and not to take off. And Rashi brought many examples of what specific laws this might apply to. Now in verse 2 in chapter 13, we have the next case. Should in your midst come up a prophet or some dreamer and present you with either a sign or a wonder. In other words, if some person comes claiming to be a prophet or a dreamer 
and he does a wonder and says, I'm going to do something to prove his point, and that wonder or miracle takes place. How does one treat such a phenomena? Do we believe him because he performed the miracle? Isn't that how Moshe built up his credibility with the people by doing an oath in front of the nation? And once he did that oath, the people believed him? What happens if another person claims to be like Moshe Rabbeinu and says, God told me something, and here's a proof that this is what God told me by doing a miracle. Pasuk Gimel, verse 3, And what would happen should this sign or wonder come true? The wonder that he said would happen. And let's say this person or this dreamer or prophet did this miracle and said, based on this miracle, let us go after other gods, gods that you never heard of before, and let us go worship them. Do we listen to this prophet or not? Moshe Rabbeinu tells the people in Pasuk Dalet, verse 4, Do not listen to the words of this prophet, or the words of this dreamer. Because Hashem your God is testing you, to know, or indeed, do you love Hashem your God with all your heart and all your soul? It's very interesting again how we have imagery from the Akedat Yitzchak. Akedat Yitzchak was a nisayon of Avram Avinu, of his love for God. God was testing Avram Avinu in regard to his faith. Here, God is telling the people, should someone come and do some type of miracle, but in light of that miracle, suggest that you go and serve another God, do not listen to him because God is simply testing you to see will you be dedicated to God even against a wonder. And of course, there's always magicians and magical people who can trick you to believe things. And therefore, we must clarify, there's only one God that we can worship. And it should somewhat suggest, no matter what proof he brings, to serve another God, we can never listen to him. Pasuk hey, verse 5, Achrei Adonai Eloichem Telechu you must follow after Hashem your God, and He you should fear. You must keep His commandments. You must obey His voice. It is He who you must serve, and it is He who you must cling to. Verse 5 is a beautiful summary of all the key points that Moshe Rabbeinu has made thus far in his speech to make sure you continue with your total dedication to God in the way you act in your day-to-day -day life, in your fear and awe of God, being dedicated to keeping His mitzvot and obeying Him and serving Him with the proper attitude and identifying with your job. So what do we do with this person who tried to lead us astray by doing some type of a miracle? Pasek Vav, verse 6, Vanaviyahu, that prophet, tried to lead us astray. O cholem ha'chalomahu, or that dreamer, Yumat, he must be put to death. Because he spoke against Hashem your God, the God who took you out of the land of Egypt, and who redeemed you from the house of servants, from the house of bondage, to make you stray from the path that Hashem your God is commanding you to follow, and by putting this false prophet to death, in this way you will sweep out evil from your midst. This is one example, and we will see several more, of a very harsh punishment, capital punishment,
for this type of behavior leading people astray. Again, if we want to ensure that our following God and our national religion remains intact and strong, we must protect ourselves from these terrible influences who might lead us away to serve other gods. When we finish this section, we will talk about the practicality of capital punishment for these types of offenses in day-to-day society. Now we have the next example of bad influences. From within the family, it begins in Pasuk Zayin, verse 7. Ki yisidcha achicha, benimecha, obidcha, obidcha, o eshet chakecha, should your brother from your mother's side, or your son, or your daughter, or even your wife who is close to you, or even your very close friend. And should they come to you secretly saying, Let us go and serve other gods. Gods who you never heard of before, a God that you do not know, neither you knew, nor did your parents ever know. Here another example of being led astray to follow another God. Now, not by an outsider, by a false prophet, or by some dreamer from outside your family, but someone from within your own family. And because it's a family member trying to lead you astray, it may be more likely that you would follow them. And now in Pasachet, we're going to find about what type of God this family member may be trying to convince you to follow. Pasachet, verse 8. From the gods of the nations that are surround you, Nations who live close by, or maybe even nations from far away, should your family member be inspired by them, or attracted to them, and try to bring you along to follow those other gods from neighboring nations? From one end of the land to the other end of the land, no matter what god they heard about, or no matter where that god is coming from, or no matter where the source of the service of god is coming from, that your family member is trying to get you to follow, make sure not to listen to him. Pasuk Tet, verse 9, Do not agree with him and do not listen to him. Do not let your eyes pity him. Do not show him any mercy and do not try to cover up for him. Instead, what should we do? Pasuk Yud, verse 10, Ki harog targenu. Instead, you must surely put him to death. Your hand should be first to execute him. And the hand of the rest of the people afterwards. Pasuk Yod Aleph, verse 11, what type of punishment does he deserve? Put him to death through stoning. Because he sought to make you go astray from Hashem your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Pasuk Bet, verse 12, And all of Israel will hear how that person was stoned, and they will be afraid to follow people like that, or to do something like that. And they will never again do such an evil thing among you. Now the final case, which is quite extreme, where an entire community goes astray and wants to follow another god. Pasuk Gimel, verse 13. Should you hear in one of your cities 
that Hashem, your God, is giving you to dwell there, if you hear about people saying in that city as follows, Pasuk Yedalet, verse 14, Yetzu anashim b'nei b'liyau mikyebecha. B'liyau means people without anyone above them. Should an irresponsible group of men go out from within your midst and lead astray the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods. Again, gods that you never heard of before. Notice that we have every time this phrase, a god you never heard of before. It might sound interesting, but remember, this is something new. You never heard of it before. Do not follow these new ideas. Pasik Tedvav, verse 15. You must investigate and probe and make a very careful inquiry. And if it is established to be true that such a revolting thing has occurred in your midst, Pasik Tetzain, verse 16, You must surely smite all the inhabitants of that city by sword. You must destroy everything. In it is taboo and kill all of its animals by the sword. And not only that, verse 17, Pasuk Yudzayin, Bet kol shlala tigbots atoch rechova, v'sravta ba'esh et ha'ir, bet kol shlala kalil, l'adonai elohecha. V'aitat tel olam, lo tibane od. Gather all the city's goods to a central square, and burn the city along with all its goods, like a sacrifice to Hashem your God. And that city shall remain as an eternal ruin, Never again is it to be rebuilt. Pasuk Yitchet, verse 18, Let nothing that has been declared as cherem, as taboo, let nothing from that taboo remain in your hands. In order that God's anger should not be kindled against you, so that God will have mercy upon you, and afterwards enable you to continue to flourish, as he swore to your forefathers that you should become a great nation, once you get rid of that terrible city, then God will be able to help your land continue to grow. Pasuk Yotet, verse 19, When you listen and obey the voice of Hashem your God, to keep all of His commandments that I am commanding you today, to do that what is upright in the eyes of Hashem your God. That will give God a reason to bless us if we act that way. But to make sure that we act properly and don't follow other gods, we must execute these very harsh punishments on people trying to lead us astray, no matter who they are, be they our leaders, false prophets, family members, or our entire community. And even though in our rabbinic tradition, we find that it, that it was quite rare for the Jewish court to actually execute such type of punishment, it's important for us to understand that at the thematic level, this type of behavior is repulsive, it deserves the death penalty, and we always have to be extremely careful not to be led astray, no matter who that person trying to lead us astray may be. Now in chapter 14, we begin with a transition to a new topic. Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Aleph, chapter 14, verse 1. Banimatem you are like children to Hashem your God. Do not mutilate yourselves 
and do not make a bald patch in the middle of your head as a sign of mourning, there seems to have been an ancient custom that when someone would die as a sign of mourning, people would do things to mutilate their body or scratch their head or pull out their hair as a sign of mourning. Chumash tells us that this is not a Jewish practice. We have various reasons among the commentators of, in regard to what is so bad about this. Rashi claims that this was the practice of the Emirates, and because we are God's people, but because we are God's people, we do not mutilate our bodies and we do not mourn in such a manner. Which relates to the opening line, because we are like children to God, we do not do such severe actions to ourselves in times of mourning. Rambam points out that should we mutilate ourselves and show such terrible sorrow and mourning, it would be a sign that we do not believe in life in the world to come. And therefore, as we are like children to God, to show our faith in God and our faith in the world to come, we should not mourn in a manner that might appear to show that we have no belief in our God or in the world to come. The Sforno also explains in a very similar manner. And now Chumash continues with the reason in Pasuk Bet in verse 2, Ki am kadosh ata Because you are a nation separated by Hashem your God to serve Him. And it is you who Hashem has chosen to be His treasured nation. From all the nations on the face of the earth. This is a direct quote from the proposition that we accepted in Mount Sinai. Recall in chapter 19 in Sefer Shemot, in verses 5 and 6, Should you obey me and keep my covenant? And then you'll be my treasure nation, even though I'm the God of all the nations. And here again, we find an echo from that covenant in Mount Sinai as a transition between various laws that will be the application of that covenant in our day-to-day -day life in the land of Israel. This analogy that we are like children to God, is very prominent in Sefer Dvarim. In the book of Vayikra, we had a different analogy, that we are like servants to God. In the end of chapter 25 of Vayikra, we read, You might recall in Rosh Hashanah davening when we pray to God after blowing the shofar, in our we ask God to accept our prayers, and we say, Im kabadim, im kabadim. Either treat us like children, or treat us like servants. Either we have mercy, either the way the father has mercy on his child, or the manner in which a master should have mercy on his servant. Later in the Prophets, we have a different analogy, where we compare our relationship with God as that of a husband and a wife. And throughout the Tanakh, we find these three analogies used in many times by the Prophets. In tomorrow's share, we will continue about our special diet and what animals can be eaten and what animals are forbidden.